Thank you, Olivia, for that beautiful song. Well, welcome once again for each one of you. And we're glad that you are here in the house of the Lord. And those of you who are joining us online, welcome to you. I'm sure you'd appreciate knowing that after church today, we do have some refreshments outside underneath the um, canopy uh, for you to take with you. I believe they're hot dogs, and so you can grab those on your way out after church. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4? And we'll read some selected passages from Ephesians chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 to 7 and then 11 to 16. And the title of my message today is, It's Time to Grow Up. It's Time to Grow Up. And you'll understand, hopefully, a little further along. Ephesians chapter 4, starting from verse one, and if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? <clears throat> Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for this time we can be in your house and we pray that, God, as we dive into your word, that truly you would speak to us, O oh Lord. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak in and through. And we pray, O oh God, that you indeed would help us to hear from you and to be obedient as we respond. And so, Lord, we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians while he was imprisoned for serving the Lord and preaching the good news. 
And his purpose was to unite the church and help them to live Christian lives in both faith and practice, to live lives that are holy and pleasing to God. The other day while I was driving, I had the radio on and I was listening to uh, some of the music that was on the radio when they announced a contest. How many of you ever hear about contests on radios, right? So there, there was a contest going on. Now, what they asked was for, the per- for, for you to text in, you know, the word that they gave along with your name, and then in 10 minutes, they were going to choose a lucky winner. So I was driving for more than 10 minutes, so naturally I thought, well, I'll just listen and see what happens, right? Mind you, I did not text in because I was driving, right? I wouldn't win anyway, so <laughs> I, I, I did not text in, so just want to make that clear. So while I was driving, uh, they chose um, a lady. I can't remember her name, but they chose a lady. Now, here's the catch. Depending on who it was that they chose, after they choose a winner, they call that winner, the person that texted in, and in order to receive the prize, you have to answer the call, right? Do any of you hear about, yeah, okay, so you're familiar with that. So luckily, the lady that they call answered, and she was able to receive the prize. So even though she won the prize and the prize was there, she had to answer the call in order to actually get the prize. You see, I I find it interesting that Paul begins by saying in verse 1, for you have been called by God. For you have been called by God. You see, it doesn't say that you have to enter a contest. It doesn't say if you're lucky or privileged or if God specifically wants you. No, it says you have been called by God. You see, each one of us have been called by God. Each one of us have been called by God. What does that mean, to be called by God? It means to be chosen for a specific purpose. You see, God didn't just choose some people, but he calls each and every one of us to serve him and be his people. He calls each one of us, and all of us have that calling upon our lives to to serve Christ and to be his people. And then further to that, there are times where there are more specific callings, where God might call you to a specific area of ministry, where God might call you to be a pastor, missionary, evangelist, um, to be a doctor, to be a teacher, whatever it may be. So there are more specific callings within that, but each one of us, have been called by God to be his representatives on this earth. And that's what it means to be a Christ follower, to represent Christ wherever you go. That's what it means to serve him. It means that we represent him, that we talk about him, that we tell the world about him, that we live for his glory and not our own. That's what it truly means. You see, to be called by God means to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and Lord. It means to repent of your sins and to live a life that is surrendered to God. To be called by God means to grow in your faith and your relationship with him. It means to live in such a way that you represent him no matter where you are. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the very beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. You see, some people hold to the opinion and the thought that God has already chosen who he's going to save. And I'm sure you've probably heard thoughts like that. God has already chosen some. No, that's not correct. God has given each and every one of us that same call, that same urge to be his. And it's our choice whether we choose or not. It's our choice whether we respond to him or not. Because God knows all. He sees all. He knows beginning to the end. He already knows what you're going to choose. He already knows what you're going to pick. And so he's not the one who makes the choice. He's the one who sends out the call, but we have to answer it. He's the one who gives the prize that is set before us, but he says you need to answer the call in order to receive it. He gives it to us, but it is our choice whether we receive it. The choice is ours. The question is, are you living a life worthy of your calling? Are you living a life worthy of your calling? In other words, are you properly representing Christ? Are you properly representing him? Are you representing Christ with your friends when they are pressuring you to do things that you know are not right? Are you representing Christ when you're cut off in traffic or someone really ticks you off? Are you representing Christ when your kids or your spouse is driving you crazy? Are you representing Christ when your coworkers are engaging in inappropriate topics or using foul language? You see, wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, our task is to represent Christ. We are to be his representatives wherever we go, choosing to live differently. How we live should not be dependent on what other people do or don't do. How we live should be dependent upon the type of relationship we have with God and what we know is right because his word tells us so. We need to choose to do the right thing, to represent him because we have all been called. Each and every one of us have been called by him. God has already called you. He has already accepted you. He has already chosen you. The answer is, will you accept him? Will you choose him? Will you choose to answer that call? As believers, we form the body of Christ. Just as a body, a human body, has different parts and functions differently, as the body of Christ, as the body of believers, we function together to help the body work. How many of you ever have aches and pains or, or parts of your body don't always cooperate? Anybody? Any, anybody have that? Most of us, right? Right? I, I'm starting to feel that a little bit. You know, Stephanie, I'm not old enough for your bus trip yet, but I'm starting to feel those aches and pains, right? You see, when our body isn't functioning the way that it should, 
it affects the whole body, right? If my feet are hurting so I can't move, it affects what I do. It affects everything else. If something isn't working and functioning, it causes the whole body to suffer in different ways. In the same way as the body of Christ, our task is to work together. Our task is to work together. And there are so many people who may feel, well, if I don't get to do that, then forget it. I don't want to help. If I don't get to be up front and nobody sees me, I don't want to do that. If I don't get to do this, then I don't want to be part of it. You see, the body of Christ functions when everyone works together because we all have different tasks. The ear is not more important than the toe. The eye is not more important than the fingers. Each one has a different calling, a different assignment, a different task. And in the same way, we as believers must work together to create unity. We must strive to be united in the Spirit. We must strive to be united in God's Spirit. It says, verse 4, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. There is one God strives for us to be united. You see, from the very beginning when God created us, it was never God's intention for us to be divided. It was never God's intention for there to be division in our world. He created us to be unified in him. That's how he created us. But over time, divisions have come. Separations have come, whether that be by culture, by language, by religion, by beliefs, by doctrine, whatever it is. There are divisions that have come and have separated us. And as Christians, yes, there, there will always be certain divisions in this world. And, you know, we have to learn to accept and get along. But when it comes to within the church, there should be no division. Amen. There should be no separation. Because we should be striving to be united in one spirit. Being united together. So what does that unity look like? What does the unity within that spirit, within the body look like? Well, right there in scripture. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Are you always humble and gentle? Are you always humble and gentle in the way that you talk to your family members at home? Are you always humble and gentle in how you behave when someone wrongs you? Are you always humble and gentle regardless of your mood or if you've had your coffee or not? We all, I believe, can improve in that way. It goes on to say, be patient with each other. Here we go. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Are you always patient and forgiving? Are you always patient with people? When you've been waiting in line for a long time, when someone messes up your order because they're new, or are you too busy doing other things that you can't worry about what's happening right in front of you, 
and know that we need to be forgiving. Know that we need to allow others. We need to make allowances for each other's faults. You see, none of us are perfect, right? And I'm sure that if you mess up, you would appreciate someone being understanding and patient with you. And in the same way that we hope and expect others to forgive us and to be gracious and patient with us, is the way that we need to extend that same thing to others as well. You see, the same way that we want to be treated is how we should treat others as well. Verse 3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Do you make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, to bind yourself together in peace and with peace? You see, in order to have unity in the body of Christ, we need to make a conscious effort to put aside our differences, to put aside the things that may divide us and focus on the things that unite us, to focus on the beliefs that we have, to focus on who we are, to focus on the goal that God has given us and the task that is at hand. Because if we're busy arguing and complaining and being against our brothers and sisters, then the body doesn't function. Then the a goal and the task doesn't get done. Then there is disruption. There is disunity. There is not harmony within the body. Do not allow those things to separate us. You see, the enemy has already brought so much division in our world. We cannot let him have the church too. We cannot. The scripture says there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We are to be united in the spirit, united in his spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. You see, we are on the same team. So when you win, I win. We are on the same team, working together. My friends, in order to live in harmony, in order to be united, we need, and, and again, I want you to know as I say this to you, I'm speaking to myself too, and I'm speaking in love, that we need to grow up in some areas. That in order for us to be united, there are certain things that need to change in our life. There are certain things that need to change in our church. There are certain things that need to change as Christians. And in order for us to be united, there is no place in the body for resentment and grudges. There's no place for it. Let it go. Learn to forgive. Make allowance for each other's faults. Stop holding things against each other. You know what, what I'm talking about because some of you are still holding things against other people. There's no place in the body for lying and cheating. There is no place in the body for pride and arrogance. There is no place for sure in the body 
for gossip and slander. You see, there are certain things that there is just no place in the body for. And it's until we get rid and remove those things that we can truly experience the blessings that God has for us. And I believe that there are many times in our life where we actually block God's blessings because we continue to allow certain sin in our life. Because we continue to go and live a certain way that God has already told us that we need to change. That we continue bad habits and sinful practices when God has already told us to get rid of it. You see, there are certain things that there are no place in the body for. There is a way to deal with certain things. And I just want to say that I know that things are not always perfect. Okay, we, we know that we're only human, but I really appreciate when someone takes the time to call me and talk to me about something that is burdening them instead of talking to everybody else about it. Because there is a certain way to deal with things. And there is a respectful way as brothers and sisters in Christ that we deal with things, that we talk about, that we, we, we sort things out. Because when we talk to everybody else, guess what? Nothing gets accomplished. Because it turns into gossip. It turns into different things happening. And so as brothers and sisters, stay united. May we strive to be united. It's time to grow up. And in order to do so, there are certain things that need to change. Going deeper with God is a way that we can grow in our faith. It is a way that we can mature in our faith. And we need to strive to become mature in the Lord. Strive to become mature in the Lord. You see, first of all, you can't grow up unless you're born, right? Think about it. I can't grow up unless I'm born. So in the same way, if we're talking about spiritual maturity, we cannot become spiritually mature unless we're born again. Because that's the first step. That happens. That's the first step that takes place. That rebirth, that being born again needs to happen. That's the beginning of our faith journey with God. So that's the first step that needs to happen because spiritual maturity is achieved through becoming more like Jesus Christ. And after salvation, every Christian begins that process of spiritual maturity with the intent to become spiritually mature. All right. Make sense so far? All right. We're almost done. You can get your hot dogs in just a little bit, okay? When we talk about spiritual maturity, I like to think about it as different stages that we go through as Christians, all right? And I often think about it as stages of life. So here's, I mean, different people can, can you know, talk about it in different ways, but here are my stages that I came up with. So we have the newborn baby stage, right? We have, we have Zen's age, let's say, a, a brand new baby. We have child, the, the stage of a child. We have the teenager stage. And then we have the adult stage. And of course, there probably can be more in between, but, you know, for time's sake, those are the ones that I came up with. All right. So we're all at different stages in our spiritual journey and at different places uh, in our faith journey. And just because 
a person is older does not necessarily mean that they're more spiritually mature. Just because a person is older does not necessarily mean that they're more responsible, right? Because I have met teenagers who are very responsible. I like to think that when I was a teenager, I was very responsible for my age, right? So in some ways, you know, age does not play a factor. The, the growth and, and the effort that we put in does. So ideally, here are the stages. If you think of a newborn baby, you think of innocence. You think of dependence upon someone to feed you, to change you, to take care of you, right? A child begins to become more independent, because they've watched you do things and they start to mimic what you're doing, right? They, they want to try that because they've seen their older brother, sister, parent, grandparent do it. So they want to try to do it themselves. But of course, they still need help and guidance. And they, you know, may often, you know, need you to redo something for them because they still can't do it properly themselves. In the teenager phase here, stage, the teenagers are ind more independent. They can do things themselves if they choose, right? If they choose. They can do certain things themselves, and they don't necessarily need you watching over their shoulder, but they still need some guidance. They still need their guidance, and although they may think that they know a lot more than they do, they still need guidance, and often they might find themselves in a mess because they've made the wrong choice, and you may have to help them out. Then we come to the adult stage. And as I said, you know, adults aren't perfect, and we don't all know everything, but let's say, ideally, this is the ideal adult, okay? An adult has gained experience over the years, has experienced a lot, and often see things differently because of their wisdom that younger ones can't. So in, an adult often has a different perspective on the world and things than others may have, and they may react differently to a situation than, say, a teenager. Okay? Are, are we good so far? All right. One characteristic that children share is that they all want to grow up. They all want to grow up and be like, you know, the people that they see around them. But babies drink milk, right? No? Yes? Yeah, thank you. Babies drink milk. And so, you know, they, they, you can't put, Alicia, you can't put a steak in front of Zen and expect him to eat it, right? <laughs> not yet, anyways, not yet. He might want to, but he, he can't do it yet. So, so he, in other words, they're dependent upon that milk because that's what they can handle. As they grow older and get older, they start to eat solid food, but you have to start them small, portion by portion. You see, in the same way of our faith journey, we all start out as spiritual babies, spiritual newborn babies, and we drink milk. 
because we need to learn the basics. We need to learn the basics of Christianity. We need to learn the basic things about God. And as we grow in our faith and mature in our faith, then slowly we can start on the solid food. Are you finding, are you, is it making sense so far? Then we can start going on the solid food until we get to the stage where we can have a steak in front of us and be able to eat it properly and enjoy it. But you know what my fear is? My fear is that too many Christians are still drinking milk. Too many Christians are still at the beginning stage drinking milk. And you may be older in age, but not necessarily more mature in your faith. And it's time, my friends, for us to grow up. It's time for us to stop just drinking milk because that's not going to spiritually nourish us for long. It's time for us to feast on God's word, to put it in front of us and dig in. It's time for us to understand what God is saying to us, to enjoy time in his spirit. It's time for us to go deeper in our relationship with God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment so that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You see, this is essential for us to grow and to develop. We start out with milk, but we cannot stay on milk. We start out, but we can't stay on milk. Olivia, would you come and bring the bag with you? We cannot do that for much longer. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child and thought like a child and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but mature in understanding matters of this kind. Olivia has a bag here, and when we think about the different stages, okay, I'm almost done here, newborn baby or baby, child, teenager, and adult, let me ask you a question. I have a pack of crayons here, okay? What age group or what stage of life do you think would most appropriately be able to use these? Child? Could, could, could a teenager use them? Could an adult use them? Okay, what about a baby? No, okay. So the baby couldn't, but everyone else could, but it's most appropriate for the child, right? All right, then we have these Bluetooth headphones. All right, they're not mine, they're my husband's, so you, you know, if you want them, you talk to him. Bluetooth headphones, what, what age group do you think is most appropriate for this? Did you say child? Well, I think you have to have a cell phone to go with it, right, to, to work. So, um, teenager, right? But an adult could use these, but I guess it would be more appropriate for a teenager, right? You definitely wouldn't give these to a baby or a child. 
because they wouldn't know how to use it and it probably could hurt them, if anything, right? All right, then we have a set of car keys. Come on down. <laughs> what age group do you think is most appropriate for car keys? Adult? Teenager? Adult? You know, a teenager could get it, but do you think a teenager would really be able to appreciate it as much as an adult could? Probably not. They'd want it right? Especially with their friends going around, not taking the bus. But really, an adult would probably be more responsible with it and, and be more careful. Okay. Then we have diapers. <laughs> Cindy says adults. <laughs> well, these ones, I don't think will fit any adults I know, but what age group would these be appropriate for? seniors. Babies, right. Do you see how at certain levels, thank you, Olivia. Thank you. You can take that. Give, give Olivia a round of applause. Thank you. Do you see how these items are appropriate for certain stages of life, right? And in some stages, you could get away with giving a teenager or an adult a pack of crayons right? You could get away with giving it to them. However, they're not really going to want to use it. They're past that stage. But you wouldn't give a pack of crayons to a baby because that baby wouldn't understand what to do with it and probably might end up choking on it and it would be more of a, a, a disaster than anything. In the same way in our spiritual lives, my friends, and we're wrapping up here, Many people want to know why God isn't using me in certain ways. How come I don't get to do that? How come God hasn't allowed me this opportunity or blessed me with this or given me that? You see, God is not going to give you something that you're not ready for. God is not going to give you headphones when you're still a baby. God is not going to give you a car when you can't yet drive. God is not going to assign you certain tasks within the kingdom, within the body, and entrust you with those things when you haven't yet fulfilled what he has called you to do. You see, it's time to grow up, to become spiritually mature. How do we do that? Study God's word. Study God's word. Make it a habit to pray daily and spend time with God. How else do we grow spiritually in our relationship? And I said this before, but I want to encourage you in September, in the fall, to make it a priority to join a small group or Bible study because that is how you really get to ask questions, engage in discussion, and grow. Make it a priority to fast. When was the last time you fasted? When was it the last time? I'm not saying skip breakfast because you didn't have time. I'm saying really intentionally pray and fast. Make a conscious effort not to join in gossip or put others down. Withdraw yourself from things that you know are not pleasing to God. There are so many ways that we can grow spiritually, and it's important that we do that. You see, we can't expect God to trust us and increase our territory 
when we refuse to do certain things that he has called us to do, when we refuse to give generously, when we refuse to share our faith with other people, when we're still living in sin, when we're constantly worried about what others are going to think instead of what God thinks, when we're not praying regularly and connecting to God, when we're not spending enough time in his word, when we haven't lived a life fully surrendered to him. You see, there are certain prerequisites that God looks for. Yes, he can use anybody, but there are certain things that he looks for. My friends, I don't want this to come across as condemning you because I'm speaking to myself just as much, but I believe that if we truly want to see revival in our church, there's some changes that need to happen. And there are some things that we need to do. And I believe it starts with us recognizing that it's time to grow up. Maybe today, my friends, you need to ask the Lord to help you to be a better representative wherever you go. Maybe you need to ask God to help you to represent him well. Maybe today you need to ask God to help you to live a life that is worthy of your calling to fulfill it. Perhaps today you need to pray and ask God to help to unite us together as the body of Christ, to break down divisions that we have caused and to unite us together. And maybe for others of you, I believe that it's time for you to pray and ask the Lord to help you to move past just drinking spiritual milk, that it's time to help you to grow so that you can feast on God's word, so that you can truly grow in your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of him. I believe it's time that we surrender all that we are to him so that we can see things differently. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, as we are challenged, and I myself are challenged by your word, Lord, we understand that we are all unworthy, but because of your grace and your mercy and your compassion, you call us to yourself. And so, God, we thank you, first of all, for the calling that you have given to each one of us. And we pray that you would help us to live lives that are worthy of that calling. We pray that you would help us to surrender all that we are to you, that we, God, would continue to live in such a way that represents you to others and to the world. And God, we pray that you would unite us together as the body of Christ. We pray that you would help us to let go of unforgiveness, to let go of bitterness and anger and things that may creep up and cause divisions within us as Christians and brothers and sisters. But Lord, most of all, we pray that you would help us to grow up in our faith, to mature in the Lord, and to truly see your hand at work because we understand that there are certain things that we need to do before you will entrust us with even more. And so God, we pray that you indeed would help us in every way. May you bless your people, oh God. May you continue to do what it is that you have already started because we know that you will see it to completion. And so God, have your way in our lives as we surrender all that we are to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you